Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. And my excitement today is uh, leading my teaching and preaching today because I feel like there's one thing that we all need. And I'm going to read through some scriptures to help uh, guide the stories, to help guide the moments that we have over the next 30 minutes or so. And so we're going to start uh, in Luke 11. And this is just Jesus talking to his disciples. He's sharing stories with them. And he uh, is talking to them, which we've known this prayer before, if you grew up in the church, uh, as the Lord's Prayer. But he says something more. So we're going to head over to Luke 11. And it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, do not bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be open. <clears throat> Which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Just this audacious claim to keep on asking, to keep on knocking on a door until someone answers. And then later on in Luke 18, Jesus tells this parable to his disciples yet again. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversaries. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she will eventually, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Okay, keep on knocking because if it's not because of uh, the asking, it's because they're afraid you're going to get them. Um, but he says, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge said. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will, get, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Those two stories that Jesus tells to his disciples, I would summarize in one word as perseverance. And perseverance is the persistence in anything that we undertake. Perseverance in its own nature keeps honor bright, and patience and perseverance help us overcome greatest difficulties in life. But I think we all need to carry it. I think we all need to understand the reality of this mindset. And for each of us in this room or online or whoever it is, we need to understand this reality, which is why today's message is titled Persistence in Prayer. 
You see, persistence is for the first grader. It's for the second grader. It's for the person who's been attending church for years. Persistence in prayer is something God asks of us. So the reason I chose this topic for today, we could have continued on in Romans or anything else, right? Is because I feel like this is the thing that's got me to the point of where I am today. I feel like it's the thing that's really answered moments of curiosity and questions that I've had in my heart. And we as a church will be heading into our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this is one of my favorite moments. This is my favorite moment because I get to come at the beginning of the year and say, God, this year is yours. It's not what I want. It's not what my friends want. It's not what my family wants. It's what you want. And I get to come before him and give up something that I would normally keep in my life to, and give that thing up for just a small couple weeks, ultimately to hear him, to grow closer. But there's some of us in this room who've been praying a certain prayer for years. Prayers that perhaps we would experience healing in our hearts. Healings from emotional trauma, things that have happened in our lives, whether it's a, some a relation to a parent or a circumstance that has happened. And there's some of us who've been praying healing physically, where we've been sick for years, and we haven't seen God come through yet. Some of you guys have prayed prayers for your sons and daughters, that they would just find Jesus, or that God would heal the addictions in our hearts or the things that we've yet to see. But there's also some of us in the room who are just checking this out. We don't know if we want to pray or how to pray or why we should pray or when we should pray, we don't know what to do. And there's probably a lot of us in the room who have doubts. We've prayed for years and seen nothing. That we're unsure if we want to keep going. And we're unsure if we should. And things are just the way they are. But regardless of where you are on that list, my encouragement to you in the middle of it is to know that God listens and God cares even when no one else does. The second thing is that you can know that God wants to answer your prayers. But there's some things that we have to do to understand this mindset. And so why do we have to persist in prayer? And so the question would be more so, why does God want us to persist in prayer? And I hope to answer some of those questions as we uncover these in the next few minutes. And so the first reason that I would say that God wants us to persist in prayer is because it keeps our attention and our focus on him. I love the way the psalmist says it in Psalm 25. It says, my eyes are continually looking to the Lord for help, for he alone can rescue me from all the traps of my enemies. As we continually look to him for help, he's the one who rescues us. He is the one who has the answers. But he even goes on later in Psalms 105 to say, search for the Lord and his strength, continually seek him. In the moments of our prayers and uncertainty and all the challenges, we find our strength in the moments we continually seek Him. And why do I think that it's ideal to have our focus and our attention on God? Well, the problem with people is we love talking to people. And people in their own nature, the Bible says, are wicked and they have their own desires and the truth is that you can go ask one person and their reality might have worked for them, but it didn't work for someone else. And so we ask another person. We ask our pastor. We ask our friends. We ask our moms. We ask our dads. And we ask Google. We ask everyone. And what happens? There's so much noise, so many things going on, that we become confused. 
We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. And I'm not saying that guidance and wisdom from people is wrong. But what I am saying is that when the voices of others and all of their opinions are louder than the truths of Scripture, and the moments spent with people exceed the moments spent with God, then we have a problem. That we're looking for something else, and we're not necessarily seeking God. And God doesn't seek our attention because he's greedy. But he makes this crazy claim, and he's walking the earth. Jesus says this truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what I know to be true about you and me and all these people in this room is that we want a life that was worth living. We want to say at the end of our time, man, I lived a good life. And my encouragement to you is if you want that, then you would seek the attention And place your focus on the one who is life. If you want peace, where do you find it? The one who created peace. If you want hope, where do you go to the one who gives hope? If you want truth, you go to the ultimate truth. Because my truth might be dictated on my circumstances. Your friend's truth might be dictated on their emotions. And your mom's truth might be dictated on feelings. But God's truth does not change. We can change it, but the reality of it does not. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. As we focus our attention, as we focus our minds on God, what is our inheritance? Peace. The thing that we desire in the midst of chaos. The thing that we desire in the midst of troubles. The thing that we desire in the midst of our daily life because our mind is stayed on him. Because we trust him. Colossians says it's set your minds on things that are above and not things on earth. Because earth has its ebbs and flows. One day we're happy, one day we're sad. But God is consistent, God is loving, God is kind. And Hebrews 12 2 says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In the midst of all his trials, being persecuted by people, in the midst of the noise of his friends and family members, in the midst of all of it, he experienced temptations, things that we don't know, and all through it, he persisted in the morning. You see so many times in Jesus' life where he went to be alone, and he spoke to the Father. Even in the midst of his most challenging moments where he's headed to the cross, you see him multiple times go to a place of prayer. And if that's what he's called to do, you got to wonder why his mind was just like that. Well, his willingness to endure all those trials and, and go through all the things came from an understanding that God could and God would work all things together for his good. And that reality is true to our lives. Central Christian Church, we have to be people who focus our attention on God. The second way that God reveals to us that we should persist in prayer is because it tests our desires and our priorities. In life, we have to ask ourselves a question. What do I really want? What is it that you guys want? Think of one thing that you want for your life. And when we think of that thing, we have to be honest with ourselves that we as people desire a lot of things, but we also have some inappropriate desires in our life. We have some appropriate ones. We have some desires that are helpful, but we also have some desires that are harmful. 
We have some constructive desires that build us up, but we have some destructive ones that build us down. We have some righteous ones and some pretty unrighteous ones. But as we continue to persist in prayer, what happens is God begins to reveal to us the desires of our hearts. And our deepest desires need to come from God. The Bible says in Psalms 37, 4, to take delight in the Lord and he will give you desires of your heart. And I love the way that John paints this picture because the things that we want today, we probably might not want tomorrow. Or five years from now, they're maybe not the things that we needed. And John says in 1 John 2, 17, the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So as we look to him, as we experience his kindness, as we sit in his presence, as we come before him persistently in prayer, our desires are revealed to us. And what God is saying to us through John is that John is explaining that a life lived in fellowship with God will go on forever. Well, all these things will pass away. As it tests our um, desires, it also tests our priorities. And our priorities are the things in our life that are the most important to us. Because if you're not praying about it, then it's probably not important to you. It's probably not something that you really care about or something that you're concerned about. And the Bible says that our first concerns are our priorities. And if I'm not praying, it's probably not important. Matthew 6.31 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. And as righteousness and all these things will be added to you, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In the midst of our prayers, we probably begin to get a little worried, right? We start thinking, man, it's been five years and still nothing. Our hearts become anxious. It's been eight years and still nothing. I'm still sick. They're still not saved. I'm still unsure. And worry comes. And I'm not saying that you can't do that or it's not going to be a thing, but worry is really just an ineffective way of trying to have control. Because then when we worry, we go ask that other person. We try another thing. We try to get this or we try to get that and we ignore what God is saying. And in the midst of that, we begin to think of this reality and I ask you guys the question, as you sit there and worry, are you waiting on God? Or is God waiting on you? If you're like me, you've probably said this at some point in your life, in your prayer moments. I just don't feel like he's speaking to me. I just don't feel like he's answering my prayer. I just don't feel like he hears me. I don't know if I hear him. I don't know. It's in these moments that I feel like God is testing us and testing our hearts to see if we're going to come back, if we're going to pray one more time, if we're going to keep going, if we're going to keep knocking on the door, if we're going to keep asking, if we're going to keep seeking him, are we going to go place our attention on the next thing, watch another video, listen to another podcast, listen to another opinion, or are we going to come before him? And I know in the midst of all that, life has its troubles. And uncertainties will still happen. But you can find faith in knowing that God works things for our good. 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says it, and if you know it, you've heard it before. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for a disaster, to give you a hope and a future. Ladies and gentlemen, as we seek God persistently, we understand what our desires are, we understand what our priorities are, and we have to make our desires align with his. Because I know too many times when my desires, I went after those things, it never worked out. I never got what I thought I needed. I never got what I wanted. And the third way that God describes why we should be persistent in prayer is because it tests our maturity. Now, maturity allows God to have control. The results of that for our lives will be peace, but it requires us to do something. And immature humans don't know how to wait. That's just the reality. Because an immature human's going to say, well, I can't afford it, so I'm going to put it on my card. I'm going I'm to get it now. I'm going to be in debt, and I'm going to be in debt forever. And the real truth is one of the greatest causes of our problems is our inability to delay gratification. And real maturity means that you know the difference between a delay and the difference between a denial. Meaning that just because you don't have it doesn't mean God's not giving it to you. Just because you've prayed for 15 years and haven't seen it, maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's in a couple days. That delay is not a denial. And in this mindset, we get to grow in Christ. And God wants all of us to grow. I would even make the claim that God wants us to grow so much that maturity in its own nature is a purpose for our life. The Bible says in Hebrews 6.11, in a translation, it says, let's press on to maturity. And God intends for us to always pursue spiritual growth so that way we may be conformed to the image of his son. And what's true is God wants to meet all of your needs. He does. He's so loving. He's so kind. He's like a good, good father that wants everything for you. But even in the midst of being a good, good father doesn't mean you have to get it right now. Right this second. And one of the things and the characteristics that we are to grow into is one that Jesus himself carried very strongly. And it's this idea of patience. And patience is the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the ways that we learn patience is through waiting. Uh, one of the things that I've learned to never do is to pray for patience. How many of you guys have ever prayed that prayer before? Well, let me tell you right now, don't do it again. Um, one time I was in Texas headed um, to a training for a missions gathering we were going to do uh, in New York. And in our time from Texas, we were going from Dallas to San Antonio. And we were headed that way. There's 20 of us in a 16-passenger van, which is not that small, but it's also not that great when you got luggage. Okay, 16 people's luggage and a van. Uh, and as we're headed to through Texas, how many of you guys know Texas is hot? It is a place that I ask God to never make me live, but if he does, I will. But God, please don't. If you do, let that cup pass. I do not want it. I don't want that smoke unless it's smoked brisket, okay? Um, but we're in Texas. It is 108 degrees. Hot. Holy moly, guacamole, we are not having it. But here's the problem. Our 16-passenger van has an issue, and the issue is this. The heater will not turn off. 
the AC doesn't work, and the heater will not turn off. And we're a bunch of, literally, ranging from 12 to 18 years old. So think of that. Just think of having 12 and 18 years old. So we stopped five times at gas stations on the way to San Antonio to buy bags of ice to put on our laps. We are sitting in there, and one person cries out out of the middle of nowhere. They just lost it. They said, who prayed for patience? And one of the guys goes, I did. I did not want to be with you guys. I needed patience for today. And this might not be the result of my prayer, or it may be, but this is the situation we're in. And that was the day that I said, I will never pray for patience. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. But I will say, it's going to happen. You're going to be waiting. You're going to have moments where you need to be patient. But I would even say it was in that moment that our team grew closer. The suffering and all that. As we got to New York, it was hot and humid, but it wasn't a hot Texas broken heater. We became closer, and we made it. We did it. And I love that the Bible says that's true for us as well. Romans 5, 3, 4 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that is a truth that we can hold on to. I think the number one thing that we can all mature in, whether we've been Christians for years, whether we're just checking this out, wherever we are, one thing that we can mature in is our trust in God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. That's a hard thing to do. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. He will make straight your paths. Not your mom, not your pastor, not Google, not the person next to you, but him. It even goes in Psalms. It says, Psalms 37.5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will act. So even in the midst of trusting in him and praying to him continually and seeking him daily, we don't have to do the hard work. We don't have to get the job done. He will act. And all he seeks is our presence, which is the beauty of the cross. Is that before people thought, man, we have to do this, A, B, and C to get to D. Where he said, I'm going to do all this, and all you have to do is come to me, to seek me, to find me, to endure. And there's four ways in my spiritual journey that I've learned that God typically answers prayers. The first way is that when, I, when my request is not right, and I'm just asking for something because it's something I want, God typically says no. It's an answered prayer, to be honest. And it's a prayer that probably wasn't something that I needed or something that was going to help me or something that was beneficial to my life. It was something that I was just selfishly asking for. It wasn't ultimately focused on God. My attention wasn't towards Him. My desires weren't for Him. And my maturity was probably pretty low. The second way when I'm not right, God typically uses those moments for me to grow. To say it's time for you to grow in leadership. It's time for you to grow in faith. 
It's try, time for you to grow as a friend, as a brother, as a, whatever it is, it's time for you to grow. And when the timing's not right, God typically says, slow down. It's coming. And this is where you have to understand the reality. It's not a no. It's not a denial. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. In your 15 years of prayer, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not worth it. I'm not saying any of those things, but I'm saying keep going. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Because when my request is right, when the timing's right, and when my character's right, God usually will say, go. It's yours. Have it. Engage in it. Chase after it. Believe for it. Despite the noise, despite the conversations, despite all the things, we can truly get what he wants for us. And I love the way Ephesians encourages us in Ephesians 6.18. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Central Christian Church, my encouragement to you, regardless of where you are, if you're a believer, if you're a doubter, if you've been praying for years, if you've been praying for months, if you haven't seen it, is that we must remain persistent in prayer. I want to share one of the greatest stories of prayer that I've seen in my life. Um, I had the privilege and honor of being a missionary, as some of you, you, you know, with an organization called Circuit Riders. And I had this leader, his name was Brian Brent. And Brian was honestly the most persistent person I ever met. He did so many things that I, I've never seen anyone do. And it's not because of he was completely different. It's just because he understood the reality that God could and God would. When Brian married his wife, uh, Christy, it was very early on in their relationship that she was diagnosed with Lyme's disease. She was also diagnosed with a few other things that basically doctors said, we got no cure for. Uh, she's just going to be sick. And other people who have dealt with the same thing would say the same thing as you seek advice. But what Brian would do every single day, he would wake up and he would pray for Christy, that, that God would heal her. In the evening, he would pray. Before he went to bed, he would pray. You can talk to his kids. Um, the oldest one is about my age, 32, and he tells stories of waking up and just hearing his dad crying out that God would heal her. Every single day, persisting, 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 knocking on the door. And Brian had his own sickness. He had his own thing that the doctor said he couldn't heal, but he, he just looked to the eyes of God and said, God, you say you can do it, so I'm going to believe for it. And one day, we're sitting at a, a stadium gathering in Florida. We did these things where we just invite tons of people to uh, the Orange Bowl and we just worship God for 12 hours and Brian and Christy walk up to a good friend of theirs and uh, they say, hey, do you think you can pray? And he goes, you're sick, right? She's like, yeah. And he goes, what is it? And she starts describing it and he looks her in the eyes and he says, Lyme's disease is not too big for God. He prays for her in that moment. And that day, Christy walks out of a stadium feeling different than she's ever felt before. 
Today she's able to go watch her sons and daughters lead worship and sing when 30 years of their whole life she was bedridden, not able to go do much, not able to do a whole lot of things. Ultimately, I never seen a day, never had a moment where Brian wasn't praying for her. And it wasn't a weird thing where he was just always on his face or always on his knees. He, He was just persistently seeking God because he understood what God could do. It was his heart that was aligned with God. It was his focus that was on God. It was his maturity that allowed him to say, regardless of what the noise is, regardless of what doctors say, regardless of what people say, that God could and God would work things together for his good. And that is a life of prayer that I'll be honest, I don't see too much often. I don't see it in people that I love. I don't even see it in myself at times. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we have to address the elephant in the room. I once heard a story of a man who was headed to like a circus of some sort. Uh, There was no coverage, it was an open plain. And this man walks in and he sees this huge giant elephant. If you ever seen an elephant, you know those things are big. They're massive, they can trample over us, they they can even destroy lions if they really want, right? But there's this tiny rope that was holding onto its leg. And it was literally not even bigger than a quarter inch, tiny rope. And the guy looks at it and he's like so confused. He's like, how does that thing keep that big old thing from leaving? There's no gates, there's no cages. If he wanted, he looks like he can just do whatever he wants. And so he goes up to the trainer and he says, hey, uh, why does that thing hold him? And he says, hey, you know, a lot of people ask that question. And the reason being is that that rope was enough to hold him when he was a kid. It was a little tiny elephant. It was enough to keep him from wandering off. It was enough to keep him from attacking someone else. It was enough to keep him from getting free. And as he grew up, that's the only thing he knew. And someone would say as soon as he would try to go, his his trainer would be like, no, no, no. You can't do it. And people would walk up and they'd stay a little bit afar and he'd he'd try to go and get nudged and would be reminded, oh, I can't go anywhere. And he says, but if he really wanted, if he was persistent enough, he could break through that thing. And I feel like that's true for our prayer life. I feel like too many of us have let our circumstances from 15 years ago dictate our prayer life today. Too many of us have said, oh, everyone said I can't, or they weren't able to do it. The last one couldn't do it, and so I'm just going to stop trying. Too many people have looked at that thing and said, oh, no, 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 I'm not touching that, and I'm just what I am now. This is where I'm at. I'm bound by my addiction. I'm bound by my sickness. I'm bound by my scenario. It's not going to change. My daughter's not going to come to know the Lord. Things are not shifting. My life has not changed. And our circumstances dictate whether or not we come back to God. Central Christian Church. My hope would be that if you haven't started in 2023, that you would start today. If a whole few hours before 2024 hits to keep your focus on God, to keep your attention on Christ, to test your desires, to test your priorities, to come to the Father 
and say, regardless of what people say, regardless of my emotions, regardless of my circumstances, that I will persist in prayer. And the story ends with them saying, your attempt may fail, but never fail to make an attempt once again. And my hope is that you'll keep praying for healing. You'll keep praying for your daughter. You'll keep praying for the world to be changed. You'll keep praying that Jesus will meet your needs, but not out of selfishness, not out of anything else, but out of this reality that our hearts are aligned with him, that our hope is aligned with him, that our priorities are aligned with him, and that our maturity is unto knowing him more and growing to look more like him. Central Christian Church, can we pray one last time together as we head into 2024? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this church.